Hello, my beautiful woman and listeners. Welcome back. My guest this week is Sasha Plavsik. Sasha is the founder of all of our favorite clean beauty brand, Ilya Beauty. Sasha was born in Vancouver and raised in a rural oceanside setting just outside the city. Sasha has always been close to nature. Her younger brother and now business partner, Zach, suffered from acute asthma and allergies as a young child. Her mother, a true pioneer in health and wellness at the time, sought out homeopathic remedies to help heal her son. This included co-founding an organic food co-op with several families in the area as organic food did not yet exist in the grocery stores. Through trial and error, Zach had healed primarily through his diet and went on to complete in sailing in 2008 and 2012 Olympic Games. No big deal. This was an amazing accomplishment, especially after the doctors had predicted he would never be able to play sports. Sasha's interest fell into design, studying typography in London and New York. She found herself in Los Angeles in 2006 and spent several years working as a branding executive within the fashion and beauty industries. After moving home to Vancouver for a brief sabbatical, her mother encouraged her to read the ingredient list on her favorite lip balm. Sasha was shocked to discover many of the ingredients were not safe, and it's something she used daily. The challenge was set, recreate her favorite lip balm so that it would be safe, effective, and natural. And so the story of Ilya begins. I am so inspired by Sasha just wanting her favorite lip balm to be clean and just deciding to go out and create it herself. Like I think that is just the quintessential entrepreneur. She is a wealth of knowledge and has just created an incredible brand that we all know and love. I am so excited for you to hear her story and just soak in all of the wisdom that she shares in this episode. Now, let's get on over to my conversation with Sasha. Welcome to the Woman Inc. podcast. This is the place for the new generation of women looking to lead the life of their absolute dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Toddy, entrepreneur, life coach, and strategist for modern businesswomen and entrepreneurs. I am a city girl, sriracha lover, and that friend who will hype you up when you forget how powerful you truly are. I am on a mission to make Women Inc. the most powerful network of women who are leveling up, owning what they want, and becoming who they've always wanted to be. Have you ever wondered what it would look like if you went all in on yourself? No turning back. If so, you are in the right place, my girl. Let's get started. Sasha, hello. Welcome to the podcast. I have truly been so excited about this chat with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to meet you. I have, I think, every single product you've ever made. I am obsessed. I'm a clean beauty girl and you are my absolute favorite. Oh, that's such a compliment. Thanks so much. I, uh... I try. I try to make good products. You, so. Whatever you're doing, it's working. Keep doing that. Um, okay. So I want to just get into your story a little because I, I think it's very fascinating how you started and your family story is very fascinating too. So can we rewind back and get into the early days of just your life? Sure. Let's rewind. Let's do it. Okay. Tell me about, I know that your mom kind of became an entrepreneur through healing your brother. Can you talk about that story a little bit? Yeah. So I think, you know, when I was around four years old, my brother was 
he was just born. So we're four years apart, just like my two little girls. And he, around the age of three months, got really sick and started developing a bunch of problems like asthma. And from there, over the course of the next couple of years, there was food allergies, dust allergies, you name it. Like he was allergic to pretty much anything and everything. And the asthma was really big because of the breathing. Um, It actually got so bad that he needed to spend lots of time in the hospital whereby they more or less suggested that he should live there. And my mom thought to herself, no way, like I'm not gonna, this is not our life. We're not gonna do this. And you know, for many people, there isn't an option. So she was very forthright in being able to figure out how to limit uh, the flare-ups that he had. So all the carpets came out, all the curtains, you know, were removed from the rooms and just foods, cleaning products, anything that would cause a sensitivity. She started, you know, by trial and error, taking things away to see what would set him off. And then it was also diet. So the diet was a big one. And through diet, you know, which was uh, more natural, organic foods, supplements, and just, I think, awareness to his sensitivities, she was able to keep him out of the hospital mostly. So he would go there for big flare-ups, but mostly, you know, and then of course, there was steroids and other things to help open his breathing, but it was a combination of, you know, Western medicine, Eastern medicine, and a little bit of mama intuition that, you know, got her and her and my brother, I guess, her son to a better place. Amazing. Yeah. In the fam, I love that. Do you feel like that's when you started getting into clean anything in general, clean ingredients? Oh my God. I wish I could remember more when I was four years old. (laughs) I think there was definitely like a heightened sense of awareness around that time because there's a panic, right? Like I don't remember the foods. I remember there being an argument around some cheese slices that were processed that, you know, we're not allowed to be in the house anymore. I remember there being just moments, like I think we do when we're really young, of um, stress. You know, when there's a stressful situation when you're young, I don't want to say trauma per se, but definitely stress or something that kind of heightens your awareness. And I and I do think there was a lot of stress around him being able to breathe. So um, in that awareness, she obviously like that's something, it was like a conditioned pattern for her, I think, where she started to question everything. And over the decades, you know, as he got better and he grew up, he kind of grew out of the allergies. And I think for a lot of moms out there who have kids that grow up, that can tend to happen if, you know, with a, if that's the, that can be a very positive outcome for most people. So he grew out of that and she found her way around it, but she still was constantly kind of questioning and asking, you know, what is creating more of an issue in my environment? And it, like your inner environment, whether it's your body to your environment around you, you know, if you do a reno, if you get a new car, if you, all that stuff, you know, if you scotch guard your furniture, like what elements are living in your environment that are affecting you that you may not know? And in fairness, you know, I think because we're all programmed so differently, like some people they can affect more and others are totally fine. Same as alcohol, for example. So I think that was something that was a heightened area of sensitivity and to be mindful around. And it's definitely what helps propel everything. When I was 30, I came home and I hadn't been with her since I was 18. So there was a big gap of time together. And 
she still had that hat on, so to speak. And that's when she really started asking me about the products I was using. And it's what sparked conversation around the awareness or mindfulness in beauty products. I love it. Yeah, it was your lip balm, right? She was like, do you know what is in this lip balm? Yeah, no, she was like, I don't want to say challenging, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little bit of a know-it-all at times. And like, you should really pay attention. I still get it today. Like, your daughters eat too much sugar, you know? <laughs> it's like, okay, mom. But yeah, no, she definitely, I think she cared and she had her own. I was stressed because I had really bad skin. So she could see that I was deflated. It was affecting my confidence. I'd had that since I was 13. She never had a pimple. Um, she never had any body hair. You know, my dad was from out And so there was just like, I'm like, you don't, yeah, we're in different, we have, we're different. We may look similar, but we're different. And I think that that was something that she wanted to empathize with and she wanted to help fix. So of course, she started asking me, what are you putting on your skin? What are you putting on your face? And you need to start paying attention to it because that can be disrupting what's happening there. And I actually think she was right. What was the moment where Ilya was actually born? Like, do you remember the the moment where you came up with the idea? So the name Ilya came from my great-grandfather and he was a shoe designer in Belgrade at the turn of last century. So the early 1900s, he really cared about the quality of the shoes and making sure that they were crafted well, the customer was happy and had a beautiful store right across from the Opera House in Belgrade. I have this like vision of it, you know, just in, in, it's kind of very nostalgic in some ways. And he was a very handsome, tall Serbian man with like a big mustache and over like kind of the suspender overall look from that time. And he was very masculine looking and his name was Ilya, which is a Slavic name for men. And what I liked about the name is that in English, phonetically, it sounds very feminine, but for our family heritage, it is a family name. It's my brother's middle name too. It's very masculine. So there's like, there was a nice duality to me. And even in the logo, my dad was an architect. We started designing the logo. And if you look, like they're all sticks, you know, you have the I, the I, the way the I and the L, the A's, it's all very architectural. There was something, you know, to me, I think it's also, you know, the balance of the masculine and the feminine. I think feminine, I think you very much need that as a business owner um, in order to, I don't know, bring out both sides um, of the brand and uh, a business to the customer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I very much relate to that masculine and feminine. So you come up with the name and you have the branding because you've kind of come from a branding world already. What was the initial idea behind making it into this like global beauty brand? Or was that not even top of mind at the time? Absolutely not top of mind. I think for me, it was very experimental. I did work in branding. I had a degree in typography of all things and graphic design. So luckily, I'd worked with brands in that area and with founders Um, So that part, like I was very fortunate and that part came easier to me because I knew the process of kind of what needed to happen to create something like that, at least visually and creatively. But as far as kind of getting the brand out into the world, I would say one idea that came to me was, okay, I'd like to do something in product. I'd like to explore that. And I felt like when I was looking for new makeup brands that would really take care of my skin, When I really dug into the ingredients and the marketing, the marketing said that they would take care of it, but the ingredients were not necessarily in alignment. 
So, and that was looking at higher end brands that were out on the market. When I went to the more natural food stores and areas where you'd find a bit more, I guess it was green beauty at that time, I felt like they were not very effective. <laughs> the performance yeah. wasn't there, the color wasn't there, the ingredients, they could be natural, but it doesn't necessarily mean they were better for my skin. They could actually aggravate my skin, some of these natural ingredients. So, I really felt like there was a gap in the market for something that was, now they're calling it clean, but it really was a blend of kind of Western and Eastern, so to speak, like I mentioned earlier, and something that was just more niche. At that time, this is like dating myself, but Barney's existed and there was Barney's Co-op. And I'm like, there wasn't really a makeup brand with a Barney's Co-op mindset. So I saw like a big gap. And then I thought, how do I want to do this? And something I always did was wear really bold lipstick when I was younger. And I'd always be applying a lip balm in between. So I thought, what if I could make this a two-in-one, like a lip balm and a lipstick? So the color can build, but you still get that moisture. And the color is soft, but there's different shades. And so I kind of set that as the first project. I want to do a tinted lip conditioner. And I want to do six shades, like a nude, a pink, a berry, a red, like the, all the classics in the rainbow of shades that are wearable and popular. Um, and that was, yeah, I think the stage was set as like a challenge. Can I make this really natural and organic at the time I was trying to do that? Can I, but I still use dyes. So like to go back to that first initial phase, when I launched that product, people were like, you're not totally natural. You're not organic. And I didn't, I was like, you're right. I'm not, I don't know what I am. And that was, I think, I had an identity crisis for the first four or five years. Yes. Oh, that's tough because one, you're probably just trying to survive. (laughs) You're like, I've never done this before. Like, how do I make a product in general? And you just can't please everyone when you're in that state. No, but I think like the expectation was like, if you're going to do a natural makeup brand, you need to be all natural. And you can't. It's not like science doesn't work that way. And formulas uh, in skincare, it's maybe a little easier, but because it's coming from nature, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily better for you. You know, they're like, it actually could be really hard on the crops. You know, you could be getting a bad crop, or maybe you're over harvesting in a certain area. You know, you think about certain car batteries today that have to have certain elements to them and they're mining for them now. Like there's so many, and that's not sustainable. So there's so many other layers and levels into creating a product and wanting to be sustainable or thoughtful that I think people don't see on the outside. And ultimately, I really recognized after a few years, I can't be fully natural or organic. What is this category? And that to me was not just myself. There were a few other brands in that space at the same time thinking the same thing. And to me, that was really how the word clean beauty came about. I don't know why it's called clean. It's not cleaner per se se, than other brands that are out there, but it's more thoughtful. Truthfully, it's a more thoughtful approach to really thinking about the ingredients and thinking about the packaging, uh, thinking about the environmental impact. There's a real holistic approach, I think, for many of the brands that are in that space, especially those that started in that space. Yeah. Did you raise money in the beginning or were you bootstrapping the business? Bootstrapped. I'm really proud to say, and I wouldn't recommend it today because I mean, Instagram had barely launched when I launched my brand. It was in May 2011. So I was concepting in 2009 and I had a $25,000 line of credit. So I mean, backing up, I've told this story. Many people have heard it on other podcasts or in some press meetings that I go to, but I was in a relationship in my 20s. Lived in California, like London, New York, California. Left the relationship when I turned 30 or 28. It was the Saturn return thing. 
Um, that's how I ended up coming back home. Um, it was definitely like an early life crisis. And I think I was broke because I always would go traveling after I would save money from a job. So I took a job up here rebranding. I worked in a clothing boutique. I lived in the little studio that was built for my grandmother who and her father was Ilya, who would come over from Belgrade during the war in the 90s. And it's a little studio attached to my parents' garage. And she was a very strong forceful woman. This is a woman who lived through three wars. And I think I had a little bit of that energy around me there. It's a very West Coast thing to say, but there was something about it that felt very uh, creative. And I was like, I got to figure this out. So being budget friendly, $25,000 on a credit, two credit cards. Uh, and that was it. Wow. That is incredibly impressive. Incredible. And very rare to hear. I interview a lot of people. That's a very rare response. It was, well, you think about it, it was a long time ago. I think in the first year I moved to East Hollywood, I arrived with a suitcase and a mattress. And I am a foreigner, like I'm Canadian and Canadians and Americans are similar, but to get into the United States, it's not easy. I started manufacturing small orders down there because I had a social, because I'd lived there. I couldn't keep using that without physically having a visa. So I get a visa. I had to set up another little company down there and really make it more official. And in doing that, I moved to LA really quickly without even looking where my apartment was. And it was right in East Hollywood and not the best area, I will say. I remember there were moments in those first couple of years, like I worked from seven to one in the morning, you know, like seven and I'd take a break and eat at lunch. I'd maybe go work out at five, come back. And it was just myself. I wasn't in a relationship at the time. It's like what I think you have to do in the beginning of a business. I would advise people not to do that and to be more thoughtful of your time and your energy because I will promise you that you will burn out at some point. But it was really uh, exciting and scary and scary because going to sleep at night and knowing that I had credit card debt, you know, of a couple hundred thousand and all of that weighing on you. But I just also knew that I would work to pay it off. So be careful, you know, think about how you're going to do this and be responsible. What was the moment where you hired your first team member? I hired a couple to help. One of my first team members was, I still stay in touch with her. She now lives in Brooklyn. She was doing her master's in health or something. And we lived in a really funny kind of Melrose Place style complex where there was all the different neighbors and the little bungalows. And uh, we didn't really connect with a lot of the people in that building, but her and I connected. <laughs> I, I We were kind of anti-LA in some ways and her and I really connected over that and bonded and she was studying. I was starting this up and I had a, dining, a vintage dining room table in this kind of more formal little dining room in this old Spanish style bungalow. And I remember um, her coming in and looking at everything. And I was like, well, do you want to help me with customer service or make a couple extra dollars? And it was just really that simple, you know, asking for somebody's help, offering to pay them what I could and yeah, having some support. That was uh, the first person that I came along. You are everywhere. I mean, you distribute to so many different stores. What was that process like? Like, how did you get these retailers to say yes to you? I think sales is important. And I'm definitely not on that, the forefront of that anymore. Now we have a whole team and they're, I separated from that side of the business. But in the beginning, that was everything. You need to promote what you create. I was actually watching the Arnold documentary, which I find really interesting. And I've been listening to it the last two nights. And, you know, he says, you just got to go for it. And like, you know, he came to the US too, and he just saw this opportunity to be able, he said there was a lot of political issues too, when he came in the 60s and the 70s, but he's like, he saw this opportunity to create something and make something happen. And I think 
there's kind of something to be said for that in, I don't know, going after something and kind of making it happen. And yeah, I actually can't even remember the question. What was it? <laughs> Got onto the Arnold documentary. And I was like... I was, I, was with, I was with you. I was like, I want to watch the Arnold documentary. <laughs> I lost track too. No, I asked you in the early days how you got these retailers to say yes to you. A new brand and new and clean beauty was new as well. I did it the Arnold way. I just said, I'm going to do this. Doing you know? it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, well, I mean, I literally like old school style, got in the car, drove to little boutique retailers. A lot of them were lifestyle shops. So Colette in Paris, I sent like a beautiful like letterpress note, really made sure the presentation was unique. ABC Home in New York did a beautiful note there and didn't have any connections. Like I very much naively and blindly just reached out and maybe confidently because I was naive. You know, naivete and confidence can go together really well. And it worked, you know, and it, it was a combination maybe of what I'd written or what I sent or the fact that the product was good. I think if you don't have good product, you're dead in the water. So that was really uh, obviously an important piece to the puzzle. And then for other retailers, once they started gaining some traction in these lifestyle stores, Sephora did call, I think in 2012. I think I just landed in the US and got my visa stamped. And I had a conversation with a, with a merchant there and I remember thanking her. I stayed very close to her and still in touch with her. She's not there anymore, but she was for over a decade. And I um, said, thank you. I can't afford you. <laughs> I'm so flattered and let's stay in touch. Yeah. Oh, that's a good call. When Sephora calls you, you're doing something right. <laughs> it was good. But I also knew at the time, this was 2012, I knew that it was way too early to go there. I knew that I did not have the money to execute anything properly there, uh, nor the experience, the understanding, the resources. I think innately, my gut has really helped me through this whole process. And it just said, not now. And it actually said that for a long time. I mean, it said not now until we actually tested one ski with them in 2017. So that was many years later. Oh, I think that's really wise. And it takes really strong judgment to not jump at opportunities like that and knowing when you're ready. Yeah, no, I think it's um, it's tempting, right? If somebody dangles a carrot in front of you, but you, there's a lot of things that need to line up. We have, we just, we were redoing our values at the company and like it's an overarching concept that kind of cradles the rest of our other five values. And um, it really is important to think fully when you're making a decision as an entrepreneur or when you're growing your business, you know, what, because it's like a domino effect, you know, one decision can affect another, can affect a timeline, the timing, the concept of something, like everybody gets affected by it. And um, how do you make it so that everybody can be supported by it in some way? You can't always actually have everything in, a, in balance, but how do you pull the levers to make it a success? If you were to describe the greatest change between you as an entrepreneur in these early days versus you now with this highly developed brand, what would you say is that that greatest difference? For the brand or for myself? You as the entrepreneur, the leader. Support. I would say that support is the greatest change. I We did a offsite a couple of weeks ago with 111 employees, which is pretty phenomenal. And I was standing up there talking in front of them, not about as business as much, but as just like this of how the business started, because I don't think everybody had been together in the same room to hear it at the same time. And it's nice to know the history of where you're working. 
and that it really did start in a very grassroots way. I remember I was looking out there and I'm thinking, you know, what we're doing today and the volume we're doing today is not because of what I am doing. It's because of what we are doing together and what we are all, like each person there is driving a piece of that company forward. They are each owners and like of that, of whatever job responsibilities they have and uh, are pushing the company forward. And to me, when you have everybody aligned in the same direction to be able to do that, it's amazing how much you can get done. It's not just me, myself, and I doing operations, finance, product development, creative, marketing. Like it's, it, there's departments for all of that now. And I'm totally in awe and blown away at how impactful that can be, you know, power and numbers. Like we definitely have really scaled and have a lot more support to grow. I do think the biggest change is also learning. You know, we're not a fast to market brand that's just trying to grow and sell. This was started 12 years ago. We obviously sold a year ago. I sold most of the company, but to an excellent partner who has been very supportive. There's that word again. <laughs> letting us do kind of what we want to do and letting us do what we do well, which is product. Yeah, I think like um, good decisions. There's definitely been a lot of mistakes, but good decisions uh, have put me in a better place as a person. And I feel different about that and less doubt. Before there was much more doubt, I would say with age and experiences, which are usually, some can be positive, many can be negative. You learn from and you have less doubt. Yeah, I was just thinking about like early you, just imagining having a hundred something employees and all of these departments, like that probably just would have been such an insane concept to you. Oh, yeah, no, I think in the beginning, when people ask me like, how did you do this? Or how did you build this? And it's like, it's, and I've seen those graphs where it, they, people say they think that businesses are like that. They mm -hmm. go up like on a 45 degree angle. And when in reality, they're like, they go straight up, they'll crash straight down. They do like a big circle or loop-de-loop -loop in the middle and then maybe go backwards a little bit, two steps forward, two steps up, five steps down. It is really like all over the board. Um, there's definitely periods of time there. I mean, in 2016, I was, I thought I was going to shut the whole thing down. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I think like you have to be prepared to kind of face anything and everything when you decide to run a business. How did you get yourself out of that time? support. Um, I had, you know, I think there's so many women today that think they need to do it all. And I had a one-year-old baby. I think she was a little, maybe 18 months. And I was alone eight months a year. My husband traveled for work. He was an Olympian actually, and he was gone all the time. And I was in a foreign country without any family that was really there to help. And I mean, I had my mom come like for a couple months, you know, here and there, but ultimately I was alone and uh, it was very hard. I'd also lost a parent a couple of years before, like a year or so before that. And it was, there was just a moment where I was so burnt out and so broken down having, you know, trying to financially survive as well. The business was very small. It was only a couple million in revenue until I think for the first eight years, six, mm -hmm. seven years, maybe. That's tiny. You know, yeah. when, when investors look at that, they'd say, oh, where's this going? You know, and again, I knew the timing wasn't right. So we were kind of learning and growing and holding that space. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think to me, what I, I made the decision, I need to have the nanny come and help for half a day on the weekend so I can go, I don't know, go for a walk outside by myself or go get a mani-pedi or 
go just be free, you know, not be stuck to my work or with a child all the time. I think as a creative person, I really needed to have some time alone. And that's where I get my energy from. Some people get energy from being around more people. Other people get energy from being alone. <laughs> and yes. if I don't get a moment to be alone and recharge, I go crazy. Yeah. So I think that was a big, I recognize that this is an attribute that I need to take care of. And in order to do that, I'm going to need X, Y, and Z. And before it was like, I can do all of this. I can handle it. I'm okay. But deep down inside, I know I'm not. And there's like, there's really, it's a different conversation, you know? And it's one that's kind of happening maybe with your ego. I also ended up bringing in help uh, a year after. We had an interim CEO who became a, our full-time CEO in 20, uh, I think it was end of 2016, beginning of 2017. And she is still our CEO today. Oh, good. Sasha. This is going to help so many people. And I appreciate just how open and real you are. I have one final question for you, which is what would be your number one piece of advice for a woman who's wanting to start her own business? It's not for everyone. <laughs> I would say really why I, I would ask, what do you want out of this? You know, what do you want out of this and why do you want to do this? If you want to do this because you really want to make money and think you'll make a lot of money from it, it's probably not the best reason. If you want to do this because you're curious and you get excited about it and when you work on it, it doesn't feel like work and you really feel like you can make something happen in a way that has a point of difference to something else out there it's living and breathing in yourselves, then just go for it. Love it. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you. Thanks for coming on. You too. Thank you. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode and are feeling so fired up to go out there and create that business or side hustle that's been on your to-do list, you know, a little bit longer than you care to admit. It is never too late to make the first step towards the life you want more than anything else. And if you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep becoming the woman of your wildest dreams.